morning. Um, today's message is John chapter 3, 16, Roman chapter 8, 38, and Matthew chapter 22 from verse 34 to 40. Okay. Okay. John chapter 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Then Roman chapter 8, verse 9. For I am sure that either death or life, nor angel, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers. Okay, then chapter, sorry, Matthew 22, uh, verse 34 to 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, he gathered together. Um, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On those two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Thanks, Peggy. Good morning, everyone. Uh, those of you that don't know me, my name's Colin. Um, Pastor Eric, as most of you probably know, and family have gone away on holidays, so they've travelled to the States. They left on Thursday night, and they'll be away for the next uh, five weeks, I think, four weeks. Yeah, so there'll be some uh, different faces up here each week for the next uh, four or five weeks. I believe Manny's going to preach next week, and then Satish the week after, and then I think Evangel is coming uh, the week after that. He's preached here a few times before. Anyway, it's my turn today, um, and I need my glasses, and I've forgotten where they are. <laughs> I'll just get them. They're up here. <laughs> just say. <there. laughs> uh, the problems of getting old. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm not really a preacher, but this is the second sermon sermon that I've preached. But today I want to look at a question that is uh, really fundamental to our lives and the way that we live our lives. And that question is, does God really love me? Does God really love me? Okay, so now does anyone here think they know the answer to that question? Yeah? Yes? yes. yes? Okay. Anyone want to say no? <laughs> okay, well, for some of us, and for a lot of us here, obviously, the immediate answer is yes, God does love me. I know God loves me and I can feel it in my life. 
Um, I've experienced his love and his care for me firsthand. But that's not for everyone, necessarily. For other Christians, it might be, yes, that is the correct answer. I know that's the correct answer. But I don't really feel his love and I don't know what to do about it. Uh, maybe you don't feel that God loves you at all. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. And, don't des- and maybe you feel that... <clears throat> Sorry about that. Maybe you feel that you don't deserve his love. Or maybe you feel that God is cold and distant and you see the wars and the death and the pain and the disasters and the disease that are happening all over the earth. We've just been praying about the wars and things. And you wonder how God could possibly be a God of love and how he could possibly be a God who loves me. Well, today I want to remind us all that God is a God of love. I want us to look at some examples in the Bible and see how much God actually loves us. And the reason that I want us to be reminded is that knowing uh, how much God loves us and how he has demonstrated how much he loves us uh, and, and well, how he has demonstrated how much he loves us should change everything in our lives for the better. Uh, why? Because it's the single most important thing in our lives if we think about it. What could be more important than knowing that God of the universe loves us? And we need to remember it because God made us with a purpose. And the purpose that we we're made for is to be loved by God and for us to love him back. We are made to be in a relationship with God. We are to love the Lord with all our heart and our neighbours as ourselves, as the great commandment says. We're not here on this earth to get rich or to be successful, though that's what the world will tell you. We're not here to be popular or have a million Instagram followers, or uh, you know, a thousand Facebook friends. We're not here to get a big house or to drive a Ferrari. All those things are great, and they're not wrong in themselves, but none of it matters in the end. Um, none of those things will last. I mean, sure, we need to work hard to achieve our career goals. We need to work honourably and we need to feed our families and look after things like that. But what matters most is relationships and our relationship with the God who made us and the people around us um, is what's important. Who we love and who loves us. Uh, As Christians, our lives here on earth are a preparation for heaven. I think that's a good way to remember that's why we're here, right? We're given time on this earth to prepare ourselves for a lifetime, in, uh, for eternity in heaven. Um, it's here in this life that we learn how to love God and how to love others. So let's look for a moment at the life of David. Uh, those of you who are regulars here, we've been studying David in a relationship series that Pastor Eric's been teaching. And we've learned a lot about David, and he was far from perfect. Uh, He made some very bad decisions in his life. He committed uh, some terrible sins. Uh, He was an adulterer. He committed murder. But God, in 1 Samuel 13, verse 14, called him a man after my own heart. Now, why did he say this? Because David knew that God loved him. And in return, David loved God. David really loved God. 
And even though he was flawed and sinful, David loved God wholeheartedly. He knew intimately how much God loved him, and he expressed it in the many psalms that he wrote. In fact, I found out this week that he wrote at least 73 of the 150 psalms. And here's a few examples. And it's just to show us how much David did love God because he wrote all these psalms. So in Psalm 57 verse 10 he says, For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Or Psalm 106 says, Praise the Lord. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Or Psalm 136, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. And I'd like us all to be like David, in this respect anyway, to know God's love and to live differently because we know it. Um, I want us to know in our hearts what God's love for us is really like, how much he loves us, how we can be certain that he loves us, even when we don't act the way we should or love him the way we want to. Uh, And lastly, today, we're going to have a look at uh, how we should respond to God's love for us, how it should affect the way we live out our 70 or 80, or if we're very lucky, maybe even 100 years on this earth. So today we're going to look at three points relating to God's love for us. And that is, the first one is, God loves you this much? The second one is, does God still love me even when I keep doing the wrong thing? And the last one, if God really does love me, then how should that change my life? First, let's pray. Lord, you do love us. And I just pray that today we will be able to remind ourselves of how amazing your love for us is. I pray that you will uh, guide my words and that you'll open our hearts, Lord, that we will um, respond and grow stronger in our love for you. Your, your amazing love for us, Lord, is just beyond comprehension for us as, as mere humans. And Lord, I just... Um, pray that you'll guide us. I thank you that we have this wonderful church and these brothers and sisters. And I pray that we will learn to love each other and support each other and be there for each other. Amen. All right. First point, God loves me this much. Now, for those of us who are parents or maybe you've got young nieces or nephews or whatever, have you ever heard them come up to you and say, I love you this much. That's an innocent reflection and an expression of, of uh, pure love, isn't it? Or maybe they say, I love you to the moon and back. <laughs> well, that's how much God loves us. That's how much God loves you. But how can we be sure? Well, we're going to take a look at, as uh, Peggy read, John 3.16, probably the most famous verse in the Bible. I'll just read it again for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So let's look at the first sentence. For God so loved the world. He loved you and I and every human to ever live so much. The arms open wide. I love you to the moon and back kind of love. God made us to be in union with him and to love him and be loved by him. 
God is love. It is his character. He can't be anything but loving. But we, as humanity, turned away from that relationship and chose to go our own way. From the original sin in the garden to today, every person has been separated from God's love. As Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But God's love is different from the way as, that we as people love. He can't stop loving us like we can fall out of love with someone. His love never runs cold like some people's love lives or relationships go. And he couldn't walk away from us. Despite our rejection of him and the mess that humanity had become, have you ever thought how sad and disappointed God must have been in the garden when Adam and Eve chose to turn their back on him and disobey? God must have been heartbroken. I can imagine God uh, weeping for the pain that he knew that we were letting ourselves in for. But he didn't stop loving us and he couldn't stop loving us. So at some point, and we don't know when, maybe even before creation because he knew what was going to happen. But at some point, God the Father and Jesus together decided that we, you and I, broken and sinful and disobedient as we were, were worth saving. The plan to save us was going to be costly and difficult. It was so difficult, in fact, that only the perfect Son of God could accomplish it. And yet that is what they decided to do, eagerly and wholeheartedly. And how does this prove that God loves us? It's because of, of the cross. Because the Son of God gave his life for us on the cross. The cross where the God of the universe allowed his one and only Son to be hung on in agony. The cross where God turned his back on his Son as he died to pay for our sins. Yes, the cross shows us how far God was willing to go to save us and how much he loves us. And how do we know that Jesus loves us? Because he willingly came to earth. He lived for 33 years experiencing everything that we go through as humans, yet without sin. He walked that road to Golgotha. He subjected himself to be tortured and spat on, to be nailed to the cross, and then he died separated from his father. Um, the most painful death conceivable. And he did it because he loves us and he did it to save us. So God loves you. He loves me. He loves every single person on this earth completely and passionately and forever. And it feels good, doesn't it, to know that God loves us like that. Unfortunately, though, the truth is we don't always feel this way. Sometimes we forget what God has done for us. So the second point that I want to talk about today is, but does God really love me when I keep doing the wrong thing? Being human means that we rarely stay on an even keel. Every day is different and we might go from feeling God's love for us deeply one day to wondering if he's even there the next day. So this question is relevant for us to consider and spend a few minutes on, just to remind ourselves of the bedrock truth that God's love for us cannot be broken. It cannot be broken, no matter what we do. We are all sinners. 
We are sometimes selfish. We can hurt others with our words and actions. We get angry. We're far from perfect. Even as Christians, and this sometimes leads us to question whether we are worthy of God's love. We often feel guilty for our sin and we're prone to feel that God is disappointed in us and will punish us or shut us off from his love. And these feelings can lead us to become disheartened. We can feel that we have failed as a Christian and let our love for God grow cold. But as I just said, God's love for us never grows cold. Uh, To help us understand this, I want to share a passage from uh, Thomas Goodwin from his book, The Heart of Christ. Now, Thomas Goodwin lived in the 17th century, so his language is a little bit oldie-worldie, but it's a wonderful quote. And it is, There is comfort concerning such infirmities, in that your very sins move him to pity more than to anger. For he suffers with us under our infirmities, and by infirmities are meant sins, as well as other miseries. Christ takes part with you and is far from being provoked against you, as all his anger is turned upon your sin to ruin it. Yes, his pity is increased the more toward you, even as the heart of a father is to a child that has some loathsome disease. Now, what is he saying here? He's saying, in that oldie-worldie language that he used, that if you're part of Christ's own body, if you're a Christian, when you sin, Jesus is drawn close to us, not with anger and judgment, but with compassion, love and pity. The darkest, most hidden, secretive places in our lives are where Jesus loves us the most. It might be hard for us to believe this, but it's the truth. As Goodwin says, Christ's anger is directed at the sin. Jesus hates the sin, but he loves you and he loves me. Like a father who loves and cares, or a mother who loves and cares for his child or her child, stricken with a terrible disease, Jesus meets us in our dark and secret places because he more than anyone understands our brokenness. In Revelation 3, verse 20, if you can bring up those verses, George, Jesus says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Now, whose door door is Jesus knocking on? Is it the righteous, those who have their lives together? Well, actually, it's the opposite. As we can see in verse 17, which I'll read now. For you say I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing, not realising that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind and naked. Okay, this is the people that Jesus is knocking on the door of. I mean, and that describes you and I at some stages, doesn't it? Our lives are far from perfect. And yet Jesus is knocking on the door. And it... And, In verse 20, it says, here I am, and there's an exclamation mark. Like Jesus is knocking at the door. He's there waiting to to be with us, even if we are wretched, poor, blind, and naked. 
So Jesus' love can never be stopped. God's love for us can never be stopped. Um, okay. And lastly, if we look at Romans 8, verse 38, which we didn't quite get all of the... Maybe I didn't ask for the next, um, the next part of the verse. But anyway, I'll read it again now. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And what an amazing verse, right? Nothing can separate us from God's love. God loves us. He knows our condition. He knows the worst things about us. But he loved us to death on the cross. And he offers us all, even the worst, most evil person that you can imagine, the free gift of salvation. And lastly today, let's look at the third point. If God really loves me, then how should that change my life? Have you ever had a time in your life when you felt that you were all alone? You had no one to support or encourage or help you? Have you ever felt that nobody cared whether you lived or died? As we live our lives, we all experience times of loneliness and we all face feeling rejected and unwanted at different times. As humans, we need to feel loved to be at our best. Uh, we long for connection and love in our lives. We all want to be loved. We all want to be able to love someone. Just take a look at all the songs written about love. There's millions of them, right? All the books, all the movies, the TV shows where the central theme is love. As Christians, love should be the driving force in our lives. And if we as Christians know and believe that the God of the universe loves us, despite our faults and weaknesses, it should make all the difference to the way that we do live our lives. Let's take a look at Matthew 22, 34 to 40. And I'll just read it again. I'll start reading. If you can get it up, George, that'd be great. It's Jesus talking and he says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Knowing that God loves us, we grow to love him in return. And the more we learn about his love for us, the deeper our love for him will become. Our time on earth should be spent trying to live out these commandments, trying to grow in our love for God, and then trying to love others as much as we love ourselves. In 1 John 4, 19 to 20, it says, We love because he first loved us, loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, 
whom he has not seen. In summary then, God loves us with an unshakable, everlasting, passionate love. He demonstrated his love by sending his only son to die for us, all of us, on the cross. He offers us all salvation to save us and restore our relationship with him because of his extravagant love for us and all mankind. God loves us despite our failures. In fact, he sees us at our worst and he comes to us with compassion and understanding. Knowing and believing that God loves us should ignite a love for him in our hearts and lead us to love our brothers and sisters. That's the Christian life in essence, isn't it? This is what God wants us to do. And in this way, we satisfy the great commandment, as I just read, to love, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and to love your neighbour as you love yourself. Let's pray. Lord, it's hard to imagine um, how amazing your love for us is, but we can see it in the demonstration of, of the cross, Lord. And we thank you for that opportunity. We thank you for that grace. And we just pray that each day we will read your word, Lord, and um, come to you and spend time with you in prayer and grow to love you more because we see how much you love us. And Lord, we just pray that that will flow on to us loving our neighbours, loving our Christian brothers and sisters, Lord, loving the people around us in our communities, those that we work with, those in need, Lord. This is what the Christian life is. And we just pray that you would help us to remember how much you love us. We pray that you would um, just guide us ever closer to you. We pray that your spirit will work through us, that we can love our brothers and sisters and help this world, Lord, that needs you and needs to know about um, the amazing love that you showed through dying on the cross for us. And Lord, we thank you that you died for us. We just thank you, Lord, for that. And we just pray that our lives will show your love in return. For all these things, Lord. Amen.